With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bakama Dafai in Vav, page 76. We begin on the top line, We said in the Mishnah that if someone steals something and then he donates that object to the temple, and then, or it's an animal we're speaking about here, so and then he goes and he slaughters it or he sells it. So this, we said there's no obligation to pay the four or five times because it's considered that he slaughtered or sold something that belongs no longer to the person that he originally stole it from, belongs now to the temple. So now, and Rashi explains that the case is talking about that the original owners had been miyayish. They gave up hope on ever receiving this thing back again. And therefore, it now has transferred out of the possession of the original owners. And in a certain sense, the gun of the person who stole it has the ability to be magdashit, to donate it to the temple. Even though in another case, Rabbi Yechanan had said that if it's in the possession of the Ghana of the person who stole it, he doesn't have the ability to donate it to the temple. That's only in a case where the person who originally owned it had not yet given up hope. So over here it's talking about where, where the person gave up hope. It's no longer in, considered in his possession. And therefore, now that he's going to slaughter it or sell it, it's no, it's no longer in the possession of the original person. It's in the possession of Hektesh, of the, of the temple. And therefore, now that he slaughters it or he sells it, he's not selling something or slaughtering something that belongs to the original person. And therefore, there's not going to be an obligation to pay four or five times. Amri, so the Gemara said like this, Bishlama We understand in regards to the slaughtering that there's not going to be an obligation. Because when he's slaughtering, so he's slaughtering something that doesn't belong to the original owner. Slaughtering something that belongs to the temple. It doesn't belong any longer to the original owner. But when the person says that he's going to make it hektish, he's donating it to the temple, that should create an obligation of four or five times. Why? Because what's the difference if I've sold it, so to speak, to a regular person, or if I've sold it, so to speak, to God, meaning if I give it over to the temple, so it's like I've sold it to the temple. So why don't I have an obligation to pay four or five times now that I've given it to the temple, that giving it should be considered like I sold it? So my answer is, how money, Rishimin, he? Who is this? This is Rabbi Shimon, the Amar Kachim Shechai Bachriusan, Bershusi de Mori Kaimi. That if you have somebody who gives something over to the temple, but he retains the responsibility that if anything goes wrong with this animal, so he's going to have to make sure to give a different animal to the temple. So someone who accepts upon him that responsibility, so it's considered in a certain sense that it still remains in the ownership of the person who's donated to the temple. Thus, this guy, this person who stole it, and he said it's going to be donated to the temple, since he retains the obligation that if anything goes wrong with this animal, if it gets lost or stolen again, so he's going to take responsibility and give a new animal to the temple. So it's still considered in a certain sense that it remained in his possession, and therefore it's not considered that he's sold it, that he's given it over completely to the temple. Therefore, in regards to selling it, it's not going to be considered that he has to pay four or five times. But Rashi points out that in regards to the fact that he's slaughtering it now, so he has indeed taken it out of the possession of the original owner. So in regards to that, so he's slaughtering something which does not belong to the original owner, and therefore, he's not going to have an obligation. In regards to actually having be con- being considered that he sold it to the temple, it's not considered that he sold it to the temple, since he retains the obligation that if any- anything happens to the animal, he's going to have to pay for it. So now the Gemara challenges this. Hami Shimon Havi how can you say that this part is Rabbi Shimon? The end of the Brisa, I'm sorry, the end of the Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon, and therefore this part of the Mishnah can't be Rabbi Shimon. says a different answer. What are we speaking about over here? We're speaking about a lighter level of holiness. Who says that the lighter level of holiness that a person dedicates to the Temple is still considered that it belongs to the owners, and therefore it's still considered that it remains in the possession of the person who's stolen it and donated it to the temple.
thus in regards to selling it, it's not considered that he sold it. But Rashi again explains that in regards to slaughtering it, so he has sufficiently taken it out of the ownership of the original owner. Now it's called hectish, now it's called that it belongs to the temple in a certain sense, and therefore when he slaughters it, it's not considered that he's slaughtering something that belongs to the original owner, there's not going to be obligation. So he's not obligated insofar as he's slaughtered something that does not belong to the original owner, and he's also not obligated in the fact that he sold it, it's not considered that he's completely given it over to hectish to the temple. Now the Gemara challenges this. The implication is based on what we're saying, that if someone made it to be a higher level of holiness, so then what would be the case? Then he would indeed pay four or five times because it would be considered that he gave it over to Hector to the temple. This is what it says in the first part of the Mishnah, that when a person stole it and slaughtered it, and then he made it, he donated it to the temple, we said that if he donated it after he uh, slaughtered it, so then there is an obligation that be the four or five times. Lift, lady, listening, but Why don't we say in the case itself where you were Magdashit, where you said it would be donated to the temple before? But when do we say that there's no obligation because he's donated to the temple first? Bekachim Kalim, where he made it a lower level of holiness. But if he made it a higher level of holiness, then he would indeed have to pay four or five times because as we're saying, then it's considered that it's been transferred into the possession of Hektesh. It's like he sold it. says, must be there's no difference whether he donated it to be a higher level of holiness in the temple or a lower level of holiness in the temple. And this question that you asked, what's the difference if I've given it over to a regular person or I've sold it, so to speak, to, to God? So the difference is like this. When you sell it to a regular person, so originally it was a it was a shore, it was an ox that belonged to Ruvin. And now it's been transferred and now it's in the possession and it's called the ox of Shimon. But where you give it over to God, made car toward the roofing, the toward the roofing. Before it was called the shore, the ox that belonged to roofing. Now it's also called the ox that belonged to roofing. But only in regards to the fact that now it's been dedicated to the temple, so you have to bring it to the temple, but it still has that name of the original owner upon it. Because as Rashi says, when a person dedicates something to the temple, it's still called his sacrifice. So therefore, in such a case, it's not considered that you've transferred the possession into the possession of the temple, and therefore it's not going to be an obligation for a person to pay four or five times as if he sold it. For more of an understanding of this, I invite you to look at my blog on the DAF, DAF Pshat, D-A-F-P-S-H-A-T, dot blogspot, dot com. Let's continue. Rabbi Shimon, I'm Rebbe We said in the mission that Rabbi Shimon says a statement which is a little bit nebulous, hard to understand. If we remember, he said in the Mishnah that if there's Kachim, if there's something that was donated to the temple, which there's an obligation upon them, on the owners, they st- they obligated themselves that if anything goes wrong, if it gets lost or stolen, that they're going to give it to the temple. So we said that they're going to still have to pay. The person who's stolen has to pay four or five times. But if not, then he doesn't have to pay. So now, what does this mean? Amri, we say like this, hold on a second. Nihi, this Rabbi Shimon, granted that Rabbi Shimon holds, that there's no difference whether a person has sold it, the person who stole it, if he sells it to a regular person, or if he gives it over to the temple, there's no difference. But nevertheless, it should be the exact opposite. If it's something that he has an obligation on, Potter, he should have no obligation to pay the four or five times the person who stole it, now that he's do- dedicated it to the temple. That's 
say. Because it still hasn't left his possession if he still has an obligation on it. And if it's something which he does not have an obligation on the person who stole it and has now donated it to the temple, he should have an obligation to pay the four or five times. Because now it's gone out of his possession. So what's going on here? Amri, so we say like this, Rabbi Shimon is going on a different case, not the case that we just stated. It's not talking about a case where the person who stole it made it hectic, gave it to the temple. It says follows. If someone steals from someone else who has stolen, right, so we have Ruvain's object, Ruvain's animal, let's say, and Shimon comes along and steals it. And then Levi comes along and steals it from Shimon. So the person who's stolen it from the, the first thief does not have to pay the four or five times. And similarly, if someone takes something which has been donated to the temple but still remained in the house, the person who donated it, so then there's no obligation on the person who's stolen it to pay four or five times. My time was the reason. Because in regards to the person who's paying four or five times, the verse says, that has to be stolen from the house of the person who it belongs to, and not from something that belongs to the temple, and it's still in the house of the owner of the person who had originally owned it. Rabbi Shimon, so now on that, Rabbi Shimon says, if the object that had been donated to the temple, the person who donated it accepted upon himself a responsibility if it gets lost or stolen, so now the person who comes along and steals it, he will have an obligation, since he's stolen something that will create an obligation on the person who we stole it from to still have to pay to the temple. My time was the reason because we considered that it was stolen from the person's house. But if the person that it was stolen from had not accepted upon himself that if it's stolen or lost, that he's going to still have an obligation to the temple, Potter, then there's no obligation on the person who has now stolen it to pay him four or five times. Why? It's not considered that it was stolen from that person because he hasn't res- accepted responsibility upon himself. Mikhti. Umar says, let's think about something over here. We previously heard that Rabbi Shimon said as follows, that if a person steals something, and then he slaughters the animal in a way that's in an invalid slaughtering, so then he's not going to have an obligation to pay four or five times. So now let's think about our case. nami. In this case where he stole an animal that the original owner had dedicated to the temple and accepted upon himself an obligation to give it to the te- to, to replace the animal if it gets stolen or, or lost. So nami, it's also considered a case. When the person goes, the person who stole it, and he slaughters the animal outside of the temple, let's say. So he slaughtered an animal which belongs to the temple outside the temple. It's an invalid slaughtering. So why is it going to be an obligation to pay four or five times? He hasn't properly slaughtered it, according to Rabbi Shimon. What's the understanding? So he asked Rav Dimi or Rav Yechanan. So when Rav Dimi came, he said in the name of Rav Yechanan, that over here the slaughtering was a proper slaughtering, in fact. Why? Because he slaughtered it inside of the temple and he did it for the original owners. And therefore, since he slaughtered it in a proper way, so therefore that's why he's going to have an obligation to pay four or five times. The Gemara says, hold on a second. If he did it for the original owners, so in essence, he's returned, to, he's returned the animal to the original owners because now he slaughtered it for them. They're going to fulfill their obligation. It's like it's like he's giving it back to them. Why does he have to pay four or five times? Um, Rabbi Yisrael Avin, Avin says that the case is that the blood perhaps was intentionally, it's not clear if it was intentional or not, but perhaps it was intentionally poured out, thus invalidating the korban, invalidating the sacrifice, and thereby the person who stole it, so he made it impossible for the Bailam, the original owners, to use their animal properly, and therefore that's why there's an obligation to pay four or five times, because ultimately the owners didn't receive their animal back. 
Kiyasa Ravin Rabbi Yechanan, when Ravin came, he said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, different understanding, We can say that the case is where the person who stole it, he slaughtered it inside of the temple, but not for the original owners. And Rashi points out that even when you slaughter an animal not for the original owners, even though normally it needs to be done for the right people, but over here when the thief does it, it's not considered that it's going to invalidate the slaughtering. The slaughtering is considered a good slaughtering, it was done inside the temple, and it didn't return to the original owners, and therefore it's considered that he stole it and he slaughtered and that's why he has to pay four or five times. We turn to Ayin Vavah Mbez, page 76b. Vresh Lakish, Amarish Lakish gives a different explanation. Besheikhid Balimimu Machutz. We can say that the animal is indeed dedicated to the temple, but he still slaughtered it outside of the temple. So, how did he do that? How is he able to complete a proper slaughtering outside of the temple? Because the case is where the animal got a blemish. And in a case where an animal which is dedicated to the temple gets a blemish, it's permitted to slaughter outside of the temple. And it's not going to invalidate the slaughtering. So, according to Vresh Lakish, that's why that's the case, and that's why the person has to pay four or five times the one who stole it. Rabbi Lazar asked the following question on what Rabbi Yechanan said. The implication of Rabbi Yechanan is that when you have an obligation to pay the four or five times, the person who's stolen it, as soon as you slaughter it, because as soon as you slaughtered it, you've received the benefit from it, now you can eat it theoretically. The Gemara says, hold on a second. Rabbi Lazar says, Is it true that when you slaughter it, now makes it permitted to be eaten? There's another step that we're missing. And that is when you bring a sacrifice, you have to take the blood and sprinkle it on the Mizbeach, on the altar. So until you've done that, so you haven't gained any benefit from it. So how can we obligate you to pay four or five times? That's the question according to Rabbi Yechanan. According to Rabbi Lakish, it's a different question. Because according to Rabbi Lakish, we said that the case is talking about where you slaughtered it and it had gotten a blemish and you slaughtered it outside. But that slaughtering also doesn't create the, oblig- the ability for you to eat. Does the slaughtering it create the ability to eat it? There's a different step that's missing, and that is it still has a holiness on it until you've redeemed the animal. So you have to wait until you redeem the animal. So the slaughtering itself should not create an obligation, neither according to Rishakish nor according to Rabbi Echanan, for a person to pay four or five times because you don't have any benefit from it yet. So the Gemara says, Actually, when Rabbi Lazar asked this question, he was missing a piece of information that Rabbi Shimon had said, which is as follows, When you have something which is about to be sprinkled, the blood is about to be sprinkled for that, for that uh, sacrifice, so it's considered as if it's already sprinkled. Anything that's supposed to be or about to be uh, redeemed, it's considered as if it's already redeemed. So really, in essence, what the Gemara is saying is that when it's being slaughtered at that point, even though it's missing another step, since that step is about to happen, it's considered as if that step has already occurred and the slaughtering itself is considered now that the person can benefit from it and therefore he's going to have to pay four or five times based on the slaughtering. An important point that we need to mention is something that Rashi says, and that is when you talk about pedia, when you talk about redeeming an animal that got a blemish, so it means that when the animal is originally made hectish, when it was originally donated to the temple, it already had a blemish. Because the only way that one could go and redeem an animal that has a blemish is only if it was never fitting to be brought as a korban, to be brought as a sacrifice. If it was fitting to be brought as a sacrifice and then it got a blemish, so then you could never redeem such an animal. So when we're talking about redeeming the animal, it must be talking about a case where the animal originally, when it was made hectish, when it was donated to the temple, it had a blemish and therefore it could never have been brought as a sacrifice. And that's why when it got a blemish you could sacri- you could slaughter it, I'm sorry, and that's why you could be paid that you could redeem the animal and then be able to eat the animal. This that we said that if it's standing, it's waiting for the sprinkling of the blood to be done. It's considered that the, the blood has already been sprinkled and it's permitted to eat in a certain sense. How do we know? This is the time we have a bride says false. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says, There is There are cases where if somebody leaves over, there's a concept that if we're talking about a sacrifice, so there's a, a time limit on the sacrifice when it has to be eaten by. If it's left over past that time, it wasn't eaten, so it's no longer permitted to be eaten. It's called no sarts. 
left over. So there are cases where if it's left over, it can contract, Toma can contract impurity. What does that mean? Rashi explains that there's a concept of impurity that can apply to foods. So that concept of impurity that applies to food only applies if the food can be benefited from by a person or by an animal. If the thing cannot be benefited from, so then it's not considered food in this regard that it cannot contract any kind of impurity that's, that normally applies to foods. One more point that Rashi says is that if at some point it had the ability to be eaten by someone, someone could benefit from it, and then it loses that ability, so since at a certain point it could have been benefited from, it can contract this impurity that applies to foods. So now, let's see this. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, There are cases where you have something that was left over from a sacrifice that did at some point have the ability to be benefited from, and therefore it will contract the impurity that applies to foods. There are cases where something was left over, that it cannot contract the impurity that applies to foods because there was no point that there was the ability for it to be benefited from. Kate said, what's the case? If let's say the sacrifice had been left over overnight, before you went and you sprinkled the blood, so since sprinkling the blood is what creates the ability for someone to eat it, and it was never never had the ability to be eaten because the blood was never sprinkled, so therefore it was never had the ability to be um, benefited from, and therefore it doesn't contract the impurity that applies to foods. But if, let's say, when was it left over overnight after the sprinkling of the blood had occurred? So since at a certain point it was permitted to eat it, now it's not permitted anymore, so it still will contract the impurity that applies to foods. Vikai Malan, and we established Mylifnezrika. What did we mean when we said that it was before the blood had been sprinkled? Didn't mean literally before or after it had been sprinkled, but rather Kaidim Shinirlazrika. It meant before it had the ability to be sprinkled. Laachazrika, what does it mean that it was after it had been sprinkled? Laachashinirlazrika, after there was the potential for it to be done. What does that mean? Kaidim Shazrika Lan, if it went and it was left over overnight before there was the potential, Mahi Dulehadish. That the case is talking about where there was not a time, there wasn't a moment from the time that he slaughtered it, there was not a second left to the day for him to be able to sprinkle the blood on the altar. So in such a case, the shachte sam where he slaughtered it right next, right before the sun went down, it's not going to have the ability to contract impurity since it, there was never the potential for the blood to be able to be sprinkled for this thing to become permitted to be eaten. Therefore, since it never had the potential, so it doesn't contract the impurity. We said if it happened after there was the potential for the sprinkling to be done, that's when it was left over overnight. Because it had been slaughtered in an earlier time, and there was potential, theoretically, for the sprinkling to be done before the sun set. So in such a case, in such a case, since there was potential already for the sprinkling to be done, it theoretically is considered that it now became mutter, it became permitted to be eaten, even though you hadn't actually sprinkled it. And therefore, it since it can be eaten, one can benefit from it, it. So now, even though afterwards the, the, it was left over overnight and it wasn't eaten, and therefore you can't benefit from it anymore, since there was a point where it could have been benefited from, therefore we consider it as if it can contract that impurity on foods. Alma, so we deduce from here, the clear implication here is that when something has the ability, the potential for zrika, for the sprinkling to be done, even though the sprinkling was not actually done, so it's considered that it's permitted, it's considered that the sprinkling was done, and therefore the slaughtering itself, as we said before, at that point already, it's considered permitted to the person who has slaughtered it. With Hashem's help, we'll continue from here in the next Daily Daf.